Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplified. I'll tell you, this is going to be a little different experience for you listeners because our guest today, Hiram Smith, who will be introduced in about roughly five to ten minutes, he made a request that we've never had done before. He said that he wanted to take this show, volume number 13. So if you guys need to turn back your sets a little bit because it's going to be coming in a lot louder, a lot clearer, just turn them back because we're ready to rock and roll and boogie. So we were just at the Gorilla Global Summit, and I would like to bring in Andrea Adams Miller with the Red Carpet Connection. She is here. Okay, well, she is going to be here very soon. And we were at the Global Summit thanks to Jason Myers and Jenny Levinson, and they had an amazing three-day experience bringing some of the top marketers and global marketer thinkers, and wow, they were dropping down some amazing content. Matt Basic was uh, one of the people I really enjoyed at the uh, event, and he did get dressed up for the event. Uh, he was wearing his uh, T-shirt and his khakis, and he, he let us have it with some of the best stuff you could use in guerrilla marketing. So I want to make sure that uh, we bring on our guest that we have coming on soon, but Andrea is here to give that introduction. So Andrea, what do you think about that uh, Global Summit? Oh, the Global Summit for Guerrilla Marketing was absolutely fantastic. Um, the, the fact that Jeannie and her husband, uh, Jay Conrad Levinson, had, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers all these years, uh, 62 languages, 21 books, and how it's just revamping again with her promise to keep his mission alive was absolutely fantastic. I think it's really cool that Jason Myers saw... Uh, the gold in this opportunity and also creating really the legacy that can bring so many of his ideas together and, and really help people in the in the business world and bring the culture of guerrilla marketing back. Because really when you're looking at resources being tightened and people having that problem of really making the money go the distance to keep their uh, business alive, you need to be thinking differently and you need to use guerrilla tactics. Absolutely. And they'll be having another event in November, so there'll be lots more fun details coming up so everybody can participate who's listening. And uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, this ge- the gentleman, Jay Conrad Levinson, he is the person that almost every brand that you use, uh, at least that came from the 70s and 80s, he was a big part of it, the Marlboro Man. And all, all these lovely brands are actually success stories because they had a marketer that actually knew how to have the right message to reach the public. So we're on to another big mastermind, and it is a bug-free mind. This is my third year. I think yours as well. And we have someone that's going to be introduced momentarily. So go ahead, Andre. Uh, Yes. So a bug-free mind is this absolutely amazing mastermind that our friend Paul Fugel will be explaining more about. Um, it's part of the division of the Saltori company um, out of the UK. And Paul is the main organizer now of the Mastermind, and I've gotten to know him over the last three years. He's an amazing coach, amazing person, great heart, super laid back and fun. Paul, join in the conversation with us, and let's talk about a bug-free mind and why 120 Internet marketers can't wait to be here and fly from all over the world just to spend time with everybody together. Well, good morning, Andrea. Good morning, Ken. How are you both? Oh, uh, we're wonderful. We're here in Vegas. I mean, and we're yeah, going to be starting to bug your mind today. 
Absolutely. I'm standing on the uh, 37th floor of the Rio overlooking um, the mountains of uh, Vegas, and it is absolutely stunning. So, um, yeah, the, so Bug Free Mind Mastermind is basically um, started off as a group of um, friends getting together once a year, um, just um, business leaders in personal development and um, internet marketing. And it's kind of grown organically from, from there. I mean, as you said, you guys have been coming for the last three years. Um, and it's just just a phenomenal event. Everybody is there to contribute. And, and the kind of what, what I love about it um, is the whole, the whole ethos is really come along for seven days, become friends with people, and the business, become, the business comes second. Um, you know, uh, the business comes because you've built the friendships and the relationships, and that's what I absolutely adore about this. Well, I will say that this particular week is sold out, and I don't know if that's occurred in the past, but uh, I have so many people that are asking me, hey, how do I get in? How do I get in? I go, I'm sorry. I don't know how to get you in. It's sold out. And with them raising the price, which is still considerably lower than the value, it really says a lot about the quality that you're bringing to the people that are attending. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that in seven days, you leave the planet you were on called overwhelm, confusion, <laughs> you know, and you're here and you're getting answers and solutions you can bring back to your life that really do ha have you experience a bug-free life. And why don't you go ahead and uh, discuss why that name was uh, created? Yeah, so Andy, um, Andy Shaw wrote a couple of books um, a few years back um, called uh, uh, Creating a Bug-Free Mind and Using a Bug-Free Mind. And um, so uh, really his experience of um, having gone through um, uh, uh, bankruptcy and, under, and going through a lot of, you know, going through, he was a multimillionaire and went through um, bankruptcy and then ended up um, understanding what his mind was doing and teaching it in such a teaching um, how to uh, eradicate the bugs in your mind um, so you can build on a, on a solid platform and actually start thinking in a very different way. Um, and what, a, what, what the mastermind, and so, you know, what, what the mastermind is really about is when people come together, they have an opportunity to um, openly share, like, um, things that are going on in the business. Um, there's a lot of uh, warmth, a lot of um, very honest conversations, you know, there's, there's a bit of small talk, but a lot of it is like, you know, how's your business going? And you're straight into like, well, I'm facing this challenge and there's an honesty and there's a, a transparency and an authenticity. And when you have that, you then can have serious conversations about um, how you can um, how you can adapt. And if you kind of leaving those bugs in in there in your business, if you're leaving those bugs in your mind, then you're building on a on a foundation made of sand. In essence, um, you're pouring. And one of Andy's analogies is you're, you're kind of pouring um, uh, fresh water into a muddy pond. And the only right. way to kind of clear it is to, is to re reboot your mind and. Coming out to Vegas, being here for seven days with people who think in a very similar way or have a very similar mindset and, and kind of in that positivity, um, but also accepting that, you know, there are real, real challenges in the world that, um, you know, businesses come up against and somebody will have been there before. But if you've got that mastermind working together, you can come up with solutions and come up with ways forward that, you know, you wouldn't have necessarily seen. So that seven days of just kind of relaxing, um, you know, like I say, just um, there are we the whole the whole event is is structured around creating that environment and having that um, that that friendship and those relationships formed. So even when you leave, you've got those connections all over the world 
I mean, we've got people coming in from um, New Zealand, um, Singapore, um, uh, Ken, wherever you're from. <laughs> um, you know, the uh, UK, as you can hear from my authentic British accent. Um, so, you know, we've got um, people all over the world and they remain connected, obviously, with the internet now. So once you've built those friendships and you've built those relationships, you know, you can, you can take that back with you and you've got that support and that mastermind continues throughout the year, really. So true. And uh, I will say that the people at Speaker and Stage, they don't hold back. They give you the real ninja tricks, the real uh, studies of what they've looked at and what works and what doesn't work, the split testing, everything. So I'm, I'm always impressed that someone's saying, this is the best thing I have to give this audience. And here it is. This is for you guys to use. It's a very unconditional, cooperative environment. And it's about six hours of hardcore, high-quality content. Then it's about six hours of social. So the days start rather late in the morning and then they go all the way late in the evening so you get 12 hours with these extraordinary people and people that i don't think you could meet and schedule time with they just they reserve this week to really be together and so that's really cool did you want to give any shout outs to uh, any of the people that are going to be speaking so that uh yeah i would i'd love to i'd um, love to shout out a couple of the guys who have come on um come on board this year um We've got um, we've got a couple of um, guys, Ken and Kerry Courtright from Income Store. Um, are um, they're actually sponsoring a, a mega welcome party, which kicks off tonight, um, which is going to be phenomenal. Um, they they are speaking um, over the week. Um, uh, Peter Anthony, uh, Peter Anthony Wynn from You Will Change the World is organizing the whole of this uh, day two of the mastermind. And he's got some phenomenal um, speakers coming in. Um, not sure how much I can share about that yet, but they are, they are world-class speakers in coming in there. Um, and we've got um, uh, uh, Ryan Ellison from CEO of Platinum Pay, um, another big sponsor this year. Um, so yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other people. Oh, Stanley Dwayco. I mean, there's, there's, um, uh, from uh, Tarot Reading um, Daily. Um, the, the thing is, I, I'm, I'm going to miss people out, and I apologize for that, because the whole event is everybody contributes. That's, that's the key thing. Everybody right. contributes in, what, in one way or another. Um, I know that you, know, you guys come along, um, you contribute, speakers contribute, the participants contribute, everybody contributes in some way. And, it, and that's what goes to make it such a collective mastermind and such a like, phenomenal event. Like you say, people, you know, these guys don't take seven days out. You know, they're busy guys, but they come along each year because it is something that um, just it, you, you get such a massive return on. Um, and, and really just from being, um, being yourself and, and, and hanging out and, and letting your hair down and, and enjoying yourself. And like you say, the, contrib- the, the speakers, the contributors, there's no pitching from the stage. There's nothing like that. It's all... Right just solid, solid content. Um, yeah, there's a couple of speakers last year. I mean, Jack Canfield was here last year, um, did a phenomenal uh, talk, and then um, hung around for four days afterwards, you know, because of the quality of the people and the, and the content. Um, and, the, you know, this, this year, um, I was thinking um, another guy last year, um, uh, Justin Tupper, CEO of Revolution Golf, came along, shared some phenomenal stuff about just the way that he um, markets has made that company into the, uh, you know, one of the top golfing sites in the world. So it's it's just absolutely phenomenal, and, and the range of speakers and stuff that we get is is incredible. 
Agreed. So that was a very thorough shout out. So anything we did forget, we can always put links to, you know, the, the site and the Facebook and the and the social media. So we're going to I know that you want to go on mute and listen to Hiram Smith and you want to do a seven minute synopsis of what you learned from Hiram Smith. So at the very end of the hour, we'll bring you back in, of course, to share all the gold nuggets you got. And of course, if we have any uh, interruption, we can always get that from you through uh, through social media. All right. OK. Good, good Thank speech. you. Thank you, Paul. All right, uh, Andrea, let's bring uh, Hiram Smith, the Hiram Smith, onto the show. Oh, absolutely. I'm super honored about Hiram. Hiram W. Smith, he is so distinguished as an author, a speaker, and a businessman. He's actually referred to as the father of time because of his time management and his organizational skills that he's been teaching for so many years. He's the co-founder and former CEO of Franklin Covey, the Franklin Covey Company. Um, many of you may have heard of the Franklin Planner. Well, that certainly comes from Hiram Smith. He's had three decades of empowering people to effectively govern their personal and professional lives and their time so they can make more lives or more freedom, that is, for the time that they want to do the things that they want to do. His books and presentations have been acclaimed by American and international audiences. He combines wit and enthusiasm with a gift for communicating compelling principles that incite lasting personal change. And he's going to get, talk to us a little bit about belief models and belief windows and oh, some wonderful stuff. Hiram, welcome so much to Amplified. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Nice to be with you again, Ken. Likewise, yeah, 2015, uh, we've met at CEO Space, and you had just launched your book, Three Gaps, if I recall, which was a great right. presentation. And I was fortunate enough to uh, stay in touch with you, and as the show's evolved, you know, we, we were able to make this happen, so I'm very happy to have you on the show. Thank you for making the time hey, for us. it's great to be back. Great. I'm only 100 miles away from you in Vegas. My ranch is in southwestern Utah, and uh, I could hit you with a four iron. <laughs> well, I, I don't want you to do that. I just want to get directions because I'm going to head over there and give you a big hug. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. So you have, uh, when you do a Google search for you, you find out about this guy who's trying to do some guerrilla marketing on you. He was born on February 9th, 1800. He was a religious leader, and he sounds like he's trying to do some things with your name. What do you think about that? So, you know, I, I'm not... Something with my name? You you lost me there yeah. for a minute. Yeah, I, well, I googled Hiram Smith and, and a religious leader. Oh, that leader. was my great great grandfather. Well, see, that's the connection. I thought there might be something <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, when you Google Hiram Smith, you get about forty-seven Hiram Smith. Cool. Well, fortunately, you were in that list of the top two, so that, that works out that you're doing some really big, impactful things in the world, which we're going to talk about in the show. So, if you uh, great. You, you're a member of CS Space. Uh, what, what is that? Tell me about your relationship with Bernie and, and how you guys uh, became friends. Well, you know, I met I, I met Bernie for the first time several years ago. Linda Clemens introduced me to Bernie, and uh, I went out to CEO Space for the first time. It was really it was a fabulous experience. Bernie's an amazing guy, and uh, we ended up doing a, a, a gig for Linda Clemens back in Indianapolis a couple of years ago, where Bernie and myself and a couple others spoke to a, a group of people that Linda Clemens was working with, and it was a neat experience. I got to know Bernie, and uh, 
he's really quite an amazing guy. And I, as a result of that, I met some very interesting people. And uh, it's it's a great uh, it's a great thing. Well, um, as I think you know, you're in several of the Keith Smiling books, and I'd asked you to hold a Keith Smiling card because who better to hold a Keith Smiling card than someone who created a Franklin or a time management system? It's called the Franklin Planner, but you created a time management system that allows you to have a lifestyle and the time that you really want to get back that you're losing and managing it correctly so you're, you're able to do the important things in life. So thank you for creating that. Hey, listen, that was my pleasure. That's been a very exciting thing to be part of. You know, when we created the Franklin Planner, it was back in 1983. There were no cell phones. There were no PCs. There were no iPods or Palm Pilots. Or, and, and so, you know, the, the, the paper Franklin Planner became an instant hit, and we were stunned. I mean, it went global uh, so fast, I was stunned. I mean, you know, we started with three of us in my basement in 19. 19- 83, and when we went public in 1992, there were 4,000 people working at Franklin Quest, which was pretty exciting. And then we acquired the Cubby Company in, in 1997, and, uh, and that was a marvelous thing. And so it's been, a, it's been a fun thing to be a part of. And one thing, Ken, you'll be really interested in is that right now there is a very interesting resurgence back to paper. There, is. there are right now about 800,000 people still using a paper Franklin planner to manage their days. And what we've discovered is that, you know, when, when technology came out, everybody thought paper planners were dead. And for a while, it looked like that was going to be true. But what happened was people started using their phones and discovered that doing everything they used to do in their Franklin planner could in fact be done on an iPhone or an iPad, but it was so difficult they wouldn't do it. So people stopped well, that, doing tasks and they and they they stopped writing notes and they went back to writing on yellow pad and lost a lot of control. And I get letters all the time from people say, "Hey, I'm back to my paper planner. I use my phone as a communication system. It's a marvelous receptacle for you know volumes of information, but as a but as a management tool to help me manage my day, tasks, appointments, and taking notes of commitments I exchange that I make with people or people make with me, the paper planner is more efficient, which is so interesting. It's faster. And so you're, we're seeing an interesting resurgence back to paper, which I'm just fascinated by. Well, I am a fan as well. I, I've returned to, because in this day and age of digital, you're also overwhelmed with the amount of data you have to actually store. And it's not like your phone, you say, hey, can you get rid of the 90% of data that doesn't matter to me anymore? So with paper, you're able to actually focus on what is important. And I think the other thing that's important is how our mind thinks. It's, it's how we template things. When you see a phone, you're not necessarily using the kinesthetic learning that your mind needs when you're writing down something you remember and then when you take the template shot of the Franklin planner that day and if the Franklin planner does get lost obviously there is a reason to have a digital backup so I think using both systems sure. is the integral part of it yeah you know our our, our message in the early days had to have everything in one place and that was your Franklin planner and then when technology came up all we had to do was change one word in our mantra, which is have everything in one system. And your right. system is your phone, your iPad or PC, and your Franklin planner. Because the fact is, for in the heat of the day, 
the, the paper planner is just more efficient. And what we're, what's interesting that a lot of studies have been done now that people remember what they've written by hand on a piece of paper three times better and longer than if they type it into a device. Well, I remember so your presentation. something about writing on paper that the human being likes. I don't know, I don't know all the reasons why, but it, it, apparently that's true. I agree with you, and I remember your presentation at CEO Space. You had, you said, you will need a piece of paper, and you gave a lot of direction that people could actually take <laughs> that that presentation back home, yeah. and they would have they would have those triggers and those anchors that were going to bring back your voice and and the learning principles that you were you were sharing with us. Yeah. Hey, when people write stuff down, they remember it. It's fascinating. Well, we have so much to talk about. So I have. Uh, probably about eight or nine things that could take up a two hours. So we're going to get right into the, the next part of the show. So my dad okay. and you would get along very well because if he said there was anything that was an asset to a man's char- uh, a man's uh, assets or even a woman, obviously, it would be the character. So why is that such a, a big premise in your speaking? Why is character? Uh-huh. Yes. Well, you know, I, there's a... Uh... There's a statement I always have people write, and no matter what I'm talking about, I usually end up with my definition of character. And the definition, and this is mine, this is a dictionary definition, but I've checked with the the dictionary folks, and it's pretty close. But character is the ability to carry out a worthy decision after the emotion of making that decision has passed. Hmm. Which simply, if you think about that for a minute, basically when, when you tell somebody you're going to do something, the issue is, are you going to do it? Do you have the, do you have the, uh, the character to carry through and actually do what you've said you're going to do? And what the, the planner helped people do is when, when I've made a commitment, I've written it down, I've logged it into a, a personal management system that helps me remember that I made that commitment. And it is my opinion that people who have a reputation of doing what they say they're going to do, they can write their own ticket, corporate America. I agree. And what you just shared has actually got a lot of gold nuggets in it. First of all is if you say it, do it. And so that would be watch what you say because people are counting on you and they're, and they're evaluating whether they can count on you in the future. So make only commitments you can actually follow through with. That way you have a great track record. And yeah. the, the, you, the second did, thing... Have you ever watched the movie Lonesome Dove? I haven't. Oh, tell me, you, tell you, me about it. It's the best cowboy movie ever made. But yeah, it's about two friends, cowboys, and they were they moved a herd of cattle from Texas to Montana. But anyway, one of them dies in Montana. And he's, as he's dying, he asks his friend, I want to be buried in Texas. Would you take my body to Texas? And he says, well, sure. And then he does. And the, the, lens, the last half hour of the movie is, is the story of this guy taking this corpse from Montana all the way to Texas. And he buries him. And when he buries him, he's standing over the grave. And he says, he says a marvelous thing. He says, I guess I should be more careful about what I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Well, isn't that true of also your military folks when they go overseas to fight for our freedom? They they have a buddy that they can count on to make sure that their their life was not in vain. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's let's move on to uh, the five steps that can change your life forever at your reality method. Would you mind sharing that? 
Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, we we uh, we had a big question that we that that bothered us for a long time was what is it that causes permanent behavioral change? And as we asked ourselves that question, you know, because people were getting their planner every year, so we're saying, well, why do people do that? Why do they get their planner every year? And well, when we, as we asked that question, the answer to that question surfaced in our mind as a model, and we called the model the reality model. And it's a simple model, and its simplicity is really the magic of the model. Um, but and I'll just really quickly tell you what the five uh, pieces of the model are, and then tell you quickly how it works. But the first part of the model is, is our human needs. And so on the left side, you have a circle, and human needs are four human needs. And the four needs are to live, to love and be loved, to feel important and to have variety. And so those things drive the human being. There are a lot of other things, but those are four big ones. And then the next piece of the model we call a belief window. And the belief window, people need to understand that everybody has what I like to call a belief window. And it, it sits in front of your face, and it, it, a little wire comes from the top of that window over the back of your head, and every time you move, that little window in front of your face goes with you. You look out into the world through this window. You accept information from the world in through this belief window. And on this window, we have placed thousands of beliefs that we have accepted as correct beliefs. And the reason we put beliefs on our belief windows is because we believe they'll help satisfy those four needs. The number of beliefs we put in our belief windows are a function of our age. So the older you are, the more beliefs you have on your belief window. And here's an example of a belief. Suppose you have a belief on your belief window, all Doberman pinchers are vicious. You believe that. So if that's true, you know, what need would drive you to put a belief like that on your belief window? Well, probably to survive. I have a need to survive, and so I put a belief on my window that all Doberman pinchers are vicious. Okay, so the next piece of the model is what we call the rules piece. And the minute we put beliefs on our belief windows, we start establishing rules that will govern our behavior based on the beliefs on our belief window. And we call these if-then rules. So here's how it works. We put a belief on our belief window, all Doberman pinchers are vicious. If that's true then, if that's a correct belief, what will I do when I see a Doberman pincher? Well, I'll leap tall buildings, you know, one step. I'll, I'll evade. I'll run. I'll have a very specific set of rules all set up based on the belief on my belief window. So the next piece, the fourth piece of the model, is what we call the, the behavior pattern piece. So now we start to behave. So I have a belief on my belief window. All Doberman pinchers are vicious. If that's true, then my, I set up my rules and I go into somebody's yard and there's a big dog, what behavior pattern will we see? Well, I'm going to do the same thing every single time. Now, here's another belief. This is an interesting one. And I ask people this point, you know, ask me, do you know anybody that has this belief on their belief window? Here's the belief. You give me the need driving this. My self-worth is dependent on my possessions. Now, think about it, Ken. Do you know anybody that has a belief like that? Of course. Let's, let's, now, what, 
what need would drive a belief like that? Well, I have a need to be loved. I have a need, you know, to feel important. So I've got a belief on my window now that says my value is dependent on what I have. Mm-hmm. And then let's say I have a second belief on my window, and the second belief is European stuff is better. <laughs> so I have two beliefs on my window. My self-worth is dependent on my stuff, and European stuff is better. Now it's time for me to buy a car. What kind of car will I drive? What kind of clothes will I wear? Where will my wife come? No, don't want to go there. But you see what I'm saying? What I put on my belief window is going to drive what I ultimately do. And the question is, is that belief going to drive behavior that will work for me over time? So now we come to the last piece of that model, the fifth piece, and that fifth piece we call the results. And now there's a question that we need to ask. Will the results of my behavior meet my needs over time? And if the answer is no, that means I have an incorrect principle or belief in my belief window. So let's say, Ken, you have the belief on your window that your self-worth is dependent on never losing an argument. Now, you can ask, wow. well, which of the four needs would drive a belief like that? Well, you know, to feel important or to, you know, to survive. A lot of things might drive a belief like that. So you've got the belief on your window. Your self-worth is dependent on never losing an argument. Now you get in an argument with your 15-year-old son. What behavior pattern will you see from Ken? Death to the son. You're going to win right. every single time. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to ask yourself the question. Will the results of that behavior meet your needs over time? And if the answer is no, you have an incorrect belief on your belief window. And so the challenge now for you is, am I willing to change the belief? Because until you're willing to change that belief from my self-worth is dependent on always winning an argument to something else, like maybe winning an argument isn't always important, then you'll never change that behavior. And so the magic of the model is it helps people question why they're doing what they're doing because we're always attacking behavior, and you can attack behavior until you're blue in the face, but until it's in a person's self-interest to change their behavior, they're not going to change their behavior. But what changes behavior is a new belief on a belief window because our belief system, like it or not, is what drives everything we do. And so we, we, you know, there are some natural laws that we discovered around this model. The first one is the question, will the results of your behavior meet your needs over time? The second natural law is results take time to measure. The third natural law is that growth is the process of changing beliefs on my belief window. That's how we do it. You know, corporate America spends $85 billion a year training their people. Now, why do they do that? They do that because they're trying to change the, the behavior, increase the productivity, make things better for the individual in their corporation. I did a lot of seminars for Merrill Lynch back in the 90s. And the senior training person at Merrill Lynch got pretty excited about this model. And he, he, she said, you know, Hiram, 
Uh, all the training we do here at Merrill Lynch is designed to help people change their behavior, get better, more productive, more effective. She said, what we're really trying to do is get people to put new and better beliefs on their belief windows so they can govern themselves. So a lot of training, you know, people that understand the model, let's start a training class by saying, the belief we'd like on your belief window as a result of this class is, they'll throw it up on the board and everybody locks in. The fact is, if you go to a learning experience of any kind, Ken, and don't come away from that with at least one new principle or belief on your belief window, or at least validated beliefs that are already on your window, then you've wasted your time and your money. It's a waste of time. That's why we go to seminars. That's why we read books. That's why we listen to other people. We're trying to make sure that our belief window has good stuff on it. Because the fact is, a lot of people have good stuff on their belief windows, and a lot of people have bad stuff on their belief windows, and it's driving behavior that doesn't work. It's dysfunctional. And so we've, they've got to do surgery on their belief window. And then the fourth law that we have people write is, my, if, if my self-worth is dependent on anything external, I am in big trouble. Now think about that one. If my self-worth is dependent on anything external, I'm in big trouble. For example, suppose you, a, lot of, a lot of people have this belief on their belief window. My self-worth is dependent on the size of my waist. You know anybody that has that on their belief window? <laughs> sure. Now, the question is, really, well, what behavior? The thing is, if you know what someone's on someone's belief window, you can predict their behavior with amazing accuracy. So if I believe that my value is dependent on the size of my waist, what's the extreme behavior that could drive? That's where eating disorders come from. In fact, you know, I, the school that my kids went to, uh, when we started the company in the early 80s, we lived in Salt Lake. I'm originally from Hawaii, but we were living in Salt Lake. And at 5.30 every morning, 50 young women in the high school would show up for a rehearsal of a nationally ranked women's drill team. And they weighed every young woman every morning. And if they were four ounces overweight, they were asked to leave the team. Now, you see where that, now they don't do that anymore, but you see where that came from? They had nine anorexic students on that team because wow. they were so fearful of gaining weight. Here's what a lot of guys have on their belief window. Well, my just hold on one second, I want to ask you about the external. On my job, I would, I and it I has to be a white-collar job. The fact that I am magnificent with my hands doesn't matter. Somewhere I picked up. I've got to carry a briefcase like everybody else in my high school class is carrying a briefcase. Are you with me? It's a big, this is a very big deal. In fact, I'll tell you a neat story. I was in Boston a lot of years ago, and I shared this concept, and I had an attorney sitting in front of me two weeks after he went through this experience, and he called and told me about this. He approached his wife, and he said, you know, my needs are not being met by being an attorney. I hate being an attorney. He's 49, big six-figure income. And he said, you know what I want to do? He said, I want to teach music at Boston College. Well, what do you think his wife said? Have you lost your mind? And he said, hey, listen, if I make this major change in my career at this point in my life, will you still love me? She said, of course I'll love you. And then she said, I'll miss you. 
<laughs> you know, the guy made the change, Ken. He stopped being an attorney. He went and taught school at Boston College. He cut his income by a factor of eight, and he's happier than he's ever been in his life because he listened to what was really on his belief window about what mattered most to him. It's a very big deal. The last thing, the fifth principle is that when the results of your behavior do meet your needs, over time, you experience inner peace. And I will tell you, Ken, that's one thing I totally believe that the human being has always wanted. They've wanted inner peace. How do I get inner peace? I have got to bring my belief system in line with what is really true. And that's, how, that's what gave the birth, by the way, to the three gaps. One of the gaps we talk about is the belief gap. And the question is, is there a gap between what I believe is true, what's on my belief window, and what is actually true? Because, you know, for example, if I believe that gravity only works in the morning, I may have a serious problem in the afternoon. <laughs> I've got to bring my belief system in line with reality. And that's what the model does. The model is a blueprint, if you will, a simple blueprint for how to close the belief gap, and that is to bring what I believe is true in line with what is actually true. So that's kind of in a nutshell what it was. That, that, but it's a, it's a great model. That's, that's what the Three Gaps book, and there's a second book, by the way, it's called You Are What You Believe, that was a follow-on book to the Three Gaps book. And that the You Are What You Believe book, by the way, just published in China. How exciting is that? That is very exciting. Yeah, I figure one book in every Chinese home. That's all I ask for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one billion instantly sold. There you so go. I had I had a question for you about the number four with the external beliefs. Okay. When you say that it was uh, weight related, I would I would have thought that's an internal belief or a control that you could still modify what you want to have happen. Well, you can modify that, but the pro the problem is if if my if I believe that my value to, to the world is based on my weight, okay, then I'm going to be obsessed with my weight. And see, that's, that, that's the problem. If a person's value, in fact, really has nothing to do with their weight. Though there's nothing wrong with staying in shape. By the way, I'm a big advocate on staying in shape. And that's, that's a whole other belief system. But I use that example because there are a lot of people who are obsessed with, with their weight because they believe in their mind that that's what gives them value. And that is not what gives them value. Okay, so let's take that as an example again. So how would someone shift that uh, on their window so that they could... <clears throat> For instance, I'm 20 pounds overweight, and uh, it does bother me. And I know that my belief system, whatever it is, is not allowing me to shift that. So how, how would I address that? Well, you've, you've got to come up with a belief on your belief window that, that has something to do with what losing weight has to do with your personal health. Okay. See, now, you bring, now you bring it inside. It's not, you're not worried about what people see, you know, because a lot of times all you're concerned about is, hey, people can see that I'm 20 pounds overweight and I feel bad about that. Who cares about what other people think? The issue is, Carrying an extra 20 pounds is not good for my heart. 
It's not good for my knees. It's not good for my general health. And if I start believing that, and the fact is, if I continue to gain weight, I'm going to cut years off my life. Do I want that? No, probably not. So now you're focusing on something that matters to you that is really important, your health and the longevity of your life. Who cares what the world thinks? See, that's why, that's why people, when they believe that their value is dependent on what they look like, that's when I've got a problem. The fact okay, is, so- I am a... I do a thing quite often where you say, you know, I'm as a person, I'm a 10. I'm not a 10 in the roles I play yet. I'm not a 10 father or I'm not a 10 speaker or I'm not a 10 employee or manager yet. I'm growing into the roles. But as a human being, I am a 10. I, I came here as a 10 with all the capacity to be a 10 in any of the roles that I choose to play. But if I believe I'm only a 7 or an 8 person... Are you with me? I, I don't have the capacity to be a 10 in any of my roles because I don't have the belief that I'm a 10 as a human being. And so Got that's it. the whole idea of it. It's all about self-worth. I mean, self-worth, is, we talk a lot about it. There are talks on it. There are tapes. There are thought, you know, seminars on self-worth. But the bottom line is we've got to separate our value as a human being to our, how we're performing in our roles. And we can grow into whatever role we choose if we really have a super deep-seated belief that I'm, you know, I'm a good person. I'm a human being. I came here as a 10, and I'm going to learn to be a 10 in all the roles that I play. Well, this helps so me understand cha- something that I share. You've belief to what it does for you personally, not how you're perceived in the world. Well, I do these. I do photos at a lot of events, just like I took your photo. And someone actually photobombed you. His name's Dave Phillipson, and he's the king photobomber. But uh, I've noticed that people that photobomb or make silly faces, they do not care what the world thinks of them. They're typically in a state of abundance and peace. And now, with what you just explained, it makes sense that for them, they're they're very comfortable, so they can do whatever they want. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. And, you well, know, and then, you know, the fact is, obesity is a problem in our country today. There's no question about it. But that doesn't change a person's value. It may change how long they live. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it doesn't change their value as a human being. Well, since that was pretty heavy duty, and people listening may not have been able to take all the notes, where could someone find that? What book? What uh? What YouTube? What site? Well, the the, they- uh, the book on the belief model is called "You Are What You Believe." You get it on Amazon, and okay. it's a it's a deep dive. It teaches the whole model and how to work. And there's a story at the end of that book that I had with some uh, pretty rough teenagers at a high school about 25 years ago that really brought this model alive. I mean, these were druggy and alcoholic kids that they were about to throw out of school. And I shared this model with them, and I had an amazing experience where, you know, I asked, I asked these kids, I said, is, is taking drugs, is that going to meet your needs over time, yes or no? And every one of them said no. And I said, so why are you going to keep doing it? And we had a very interesting experience about going back to their belief window. Say, what have I got to change on my belief window if I'm going to stop taking drugs and alcohol? It was mm. it was an amazing experience, Ken. I got to tell you. 
Yeah, it sounds like but the it. story's in the book. It's a you know, it's a, you know, these, my books are not great intellectual reads. I mean, but you know, but they're fun. They're short. You can read it on an airplane. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. We have a lot left to talk about. So, uh, from a uh, from a structuring the rest of the show, I wanted to say, could we just take two minutes, maybe three, to talk about the benefits of uh, what you can get from the three gaps book? Well, the three gaps book really fast. There are, th- there are three gaps, and each gap answers a question. The belief gap, the question answered is, is there a gap between what I believe is true and what is actually true? And then there's a blueprint of how to close that gap. The second gap is the time gap, and the question answered here is, is there a gap between what I said I'd do today and what I actually did today? And we've created a blueprint. We built a company on that at Franklin. You know, there's a simple blueprint on how to bring that gap to a close, closing the gap between what I did and what I said I do. The final gap, which is a big one for me, is the value gap. And the question answered here is, is there a gap between what I value, what matters most to me, and what I'm actually doing? For example, if I value, and this is back to the physically fit thing, if I value being physically fit and I weigh 400 pounds, there's a gap, and I'm in pain. There's always pain when we have these three gaps. What brings inner peace in our lives is when we close or are working at closing these three gaps. If we have time, the value gap is a big one. We ought to talk about that. Yes, and let's go ahead and uh, talk about your new book. You just had a book come out last a couple months ago, uh, Purposeful Retirement, How to Bring Happiness and Meaning to Your Retirement. So... That's a, that's a great topic for some of the people that are going to masterminds because they're trying to accelerate their success and their financial freedom so they can actually have a, design a lifestyle that they want. Right. Well, you know, it's really fun. That was a fun book. This uh, Mango Publishing, which is a new, fabulous little publishing company, came to me and said, hey, we want you to write a book. And, and they, they'd pick the title. They said the title is Purposeful Retirement. I said, well, how... How am I going to write a book like that? I'm not retired. <laughs> and I said, that's why we want you to write the book. You know, I just celebrated the 24th anniversary of my 50th birthday, so I'm getting up there. <laughs> and so anyway, long story short, we, we did this together. You know, the, the, the Mango Publishing Company assigned a writer to me, and, and, you know, over a couple months we produced this book. And the basic premise of the book is – if you retire to golf and TV, you're going to be dead in three years. Huh. And that's a fact. I mean, that's a, that's a statutory fact. And so the, the issue is, well, should we retire? And the fact is, retirement in the classic sense is a big mistake. And we've known that for hundreds of years. You may stop a career, but do something else. What are you, what are you going to do that matters? that gets you out of bed in the morning. Well, are you still contributing? Are you still making a difference on the planet? And there are hundreds of ways to do that. And we, you're done at a certain career, fine, and retire from that, but then refire. There's a book Ken Blanchard wrote. It's called Don't Retire, Refire. And I love the title of that book. But yeah, that's, just that's what I encourage people to do in the book. You know, and I'm not retired. I mean, I, I don't do the schedule I used to do. I still give some speeches. I'm still helping running the little company, the three gaps that I'm helping the guys do. And, but I will never be in a mindset where I am retired. I've got nothing to do when I get up in the morning. That's pretty cool. So you're loving life. 
I am loving life, absolutely. Well, we are going to go to rapid fire because we have about five minutes where we can ask you some questions. And the idea, obviously, is that the quicker we can ask the question, obviously, the more questions we can ask and the quicker you can answer them, the okay. more gold okay. nuggets. So um, we had this come in from someone uh, who's sending in a message through Facebook, and it is they believe that you should have a, a book that is the new edition of The Three Gaps called The Four Gaps, and it asks the question, if your teeth have a bigger gap in the front than you want them to have, what should you do? If your teeth have the biggest gap than you want them to have, um, actually, unless you're willing to do some very expensive surgery, leave the gap in your teeth and enjoy it. That's cool. All right, Andrea, you got a question? Yeah, Hiram. <clears throat> I want to know where your favorite place to go is on vacation. My favorite place to go on vacation is back where I grew up. I grew up in Honolulu, Hawaii, spent my first 18 years there, and I still know a place on Oahu where the tourists haven't screwed it up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we always ask this question. Uh, you can either pick one or two books that change your life. You know, I'll tell you, there, there are a couple books. One of the books was the, the unabridged version of Les Miserables. I will tell you, that book had a huge impact on me. Next to the Bible, that book had the most uh, impact on my life. And then there are a couple of other books. There's a book written by Viktor Frankl called Man's Search for Meaning. He survived the Auschwitz death camp, and it's a riveting book. Awesome. Andrea? Do you have any animals on your ranch? We have nine horses, 30 cows, 25 chickens. We have snakes, we have cougars, and we have coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> and how many children and grandchildren do you have? We have six children and 24 grandchildren. i got to give you my favorite poem here, Ken. I've okay. seen the lights of Paris. I've seen the lights of Rome. My favorite lights are the taillights of the grandkids going home. Oh, that's awesome. Andrea? <laughs> Um, yes, I'd like to know what your favorite book was as a child. Uh, my favorite book as a child, you know, uh, uh, Robin Hood has been my hero from as far as I can remember. And, and Errol Flynn played it in the movie, and I've always had this fantasy that I'm Robin Hood. <laughs> All right. And if you'd like to give a shout out to some of the mentors or people that really changed your life. Well, there are a number of them. You know, Ken Blanchard is a dear friend, and he has been a, a mentor for me. I met him. We, we spoke together 35 years ago, and we have been dear friends ever since. He wrote The One-Minute Manager and a lot of other wonderful books. Uh, there's a man by the name of Marion D. Hanks, who was uh, a man who had a big impact on my life when I was 19 uh, to, at the age 21. And, uh, you know, then I've got to say my father. My father uh, was a professor of speech at the University of Hawaii. That's why we lived in Hawaii. And he taught me to love the American language and having it spoken well. And um, uh, since Clint Blanchard's a good friend, I guess you just said happy birthday to him recently. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Absolutely. He's, a, he's, he's an amazing guy, by the way. Amazing guy. Yeah, I look forward to having him on the show. you got to give him a nudge and tell him that it's safe over here, okay? <laughs> okay, I'll do it. All right, and then, uh, Andrea, go ahead. Oh, I want to know what your favorite ice cream is. My favorite ice cream is chocolate ice cream with chocolate syrup covered all over it. Just 
terrible for the body, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> and uh, what's next for you? You know, what's next for me is to continue making a difference. I had the unbelievable blessing when I was 19. I was in England doing a mission for my church, and I had a chance to sit at the feet of Winston Churchill. It was two, before, two years before he died, and uh, it was a very small gathering in London, and he, he made an interesting statement. He said he was obsessed from the beginning of his life that he was on the planet to make a difference. And then he almost wistfully said, I hope I've made a difference. He was quite ill at the time. And I said, are you kidding me? You saved the free world, for crying out loud. But it was like a baton was passed to me that I was, I'm on the planet also to make a difference. And I, I, know I don't think I'm done. We, you know, we've had an impact on a lot of people. They've, there are six million people at one time using Franklin planners. And what I'm doing now, I think, makes a difference. And that's what gets me up in the morning. I, I, I haven't finished making a difference. That's awesome. Andrea? Um, yes, I'd like to know what you like to do as far as travel. Where do you want to go? Do you know, I have 6 million miles on commercial aircraft, Andrea, and my mantra now is I won't go anywhere if it takes more than three movies to get there. One of my favorite places is London. I love to go to London, and uh, but you know, I'm not excited about getting on airplanes anymore. Well, you mentioned Lonesome Dove as a favorite. What's another favorite movie? Well, you know, Lonesome Dove, I'm big, I'm big into uh, cowboy movies. And uh, my, another favorite one is called Open Range with uh, the same guy in, in, that made uh, Lonesome Dove is in Open Range. And uh, Robert Duvall, he's one of my favorite actors. I, I'm big on cowboy movies. Yeah, Robert Duvall is amazing, and uh, that John Wayne movie with the kids. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. great. Well, we uh, we're wrapping up right now, so I want to make sure I ask uh, just a, a quote that you live by. You know, the, 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 there's a great quote. The uh, and it's from Shakespeare, and it says, uh, "This above all, to thine own self be true." And it must follow as the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. From Hamlet, it's a great, it, it's, it's a fabulous, powerful statement. I agree. So how can people connect with you, follow you, and uh, see where you are next? Well, you know, I've got a website, Hiram W. Smith. It's uh, easy to find. Uh, three Gaps it has a website, and uh, that's the best way. All my books are on Amazon, so there's a number of ways they can do it. Well, I'm very thankful you spent the hour with us and you are an amazing leader and you certainly are a great teacher as well. And I feel very fortunate that I met you at CEO Space and that we were able to spend some time talking. And I look forward to helping you any way I can in the future. You you have been amplified and you're a great man, Hiram. Well, thank you, Ken. You're a great man too. And I really appreciate our friendship and uh, what better place to meet than at CEO Space. Awesome. Well, you have a great week, Andrea. Thank you again for uh, helping us with the show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard. 